All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Society Talks. I'm Joe Lorenzo, and I'm here with the fabulous, amazing, oh, my God, I miss you so much, Danielle Nicolette. Hi. Hi. I miss you, too. You're you? like a sign of real life. I know, right? How are you doing? Let's talk about everybody. Just so you know, we're not together like we normally are in the hot, in the studio in Hollywood. We are abiding by safer at home, all those kinds of ordinances during this time. How are you doing through all of this? I am doing uh, well. I'm doing better than some, you know, and, and worse than others, but I'm hanging in there. And normally if we weren't social distanced, we would just be like hugging each other to absolute death and annoying yeah. everyone around us. But yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm good. I've had a couple of people in my life uh, come down with Corona. And so it's been a little worrisome, but everyone seems to be coming on the other side of it now. So I feel like I can take a deep breath. Yeah. I've had a couple of people too, and they self-quarantined. There's actually a couple friend of mine and a uh, husband and wife, and they, she got it first. She self-quarantined and then he ultimately got it. And now they both just te- tested negative again, but they did what they were supposed to do. They went to separate ends of the house. They quarantined themselves. Um, and it's possible to then, you know, get past it, which is great. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really encouraging to be on the other side of it. Yeah. I think for me, I'll say just in the last, like, I'm, I'm loving that I'm doing these. I I do love that I do it in person, but, um, and I know that the last time I asked you, I think you were filming up in Vancouver when the last time, um, and we'll get to that, but I, um, I do love the person to person, but even just hearing your voice is making me smile. Right. <laughs> I know. I think, I think all of our emotional standards have been significantly lessened yes. and yes. you know, right now it's kind of like, take what you can get. I've become a much less picky person in a lot of ways, yes. P- less, less picky about what I eat, less picky about, um, uh, the manner with which I connect with people that I love my, my level of tolerance for other people strangely has gone up incredibly, you know, you just, you, you stop being such a like little fuss budget when something Mm -hmm. like this happens and realize that that you just got to chill out. You know what helped me with that though? I will say, and I agree with you there because, and I, I've sort of said to myself, don't, it's fine. Don't like, don't stress over things. Cause actually I was just on a recording. On the, I was on another episode and my neighbor decided at this time that he wanted to like mow his lawn and you could hear it. Like, I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, at first I was like, Oh gosh. And then I'm like, you know what? Honestly, it's just the new normal right now. So like you just can't stress. You can't. Yeah. Hey, fair warning to everyone listening. Uh, I have a puppy who is also a busybody, and he loves to jump up the windows and start barking at anybody who walks past on the street because he too is tired of being inside. I welcome so the barks. I welcome if you that. hear yeah. if you hear Biggie barking in the background, and then a bunch of like heavy breaths from me while I'm trying to chase him <laughs> down from yeah. doing bad puppy stuff. Yeah, that's that's just what life looks like right now. Oh my god, I love it. But all right, let's start from the the beginning, Danny. Can I? I'm going to say Danny because that's what I call you. Yeah, yeah, that's what everybody except my mama when she's mad at me calls me. Yeah, that was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I. Uh, I'm from a small town in Ohio called Ashtabula. It's like the most upper northeast corner of Ohio before the Pennsylvania border. Okay. And I spent most of my childhood there. I spent some of my childhood in Southern California because I was a gymnast and I uh, fortunately got to train at a gym that was in California in Orange County. So when I got to be, I want to say between the ages of 
nine and 12, I spent the school year in California, uh, in gymnastics and then the rest of the time at home in Ohio and then back to Ohio and then back to California. I had a very unusual family and my mother was odd to say the least. So we did a lot of bouncing around. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, and because that's, it's funny. I was just on another, another one with a kid, his name's Sloan and he's doing, he's, he's like, oh, I'm just about to turn 20. And I was like, first of all, shoot me. But, yeah, exactly. But, all, um, but he said he, his parents were very supportive. They brought him out there when he was at to LA when he was 10 years old. What does it, I mean, they similar because she brought you out for four years for gymnastics. It wasn't for acting, but it was for gymnastics. What does it, what does that sort of do to the harmonious kind of family vibe to, to do that? Uh, well, my family vibe was never terribly harmonious. Um, so for, yeah, for us, it was a little different. My mom, um, was always a kind of spiritual searcher and she was always pretty restless and, um, no offense to my beloved Ashtabula, Ohio, but it is definitely the kind of town that one grows up in and spends their time plotting their escape. So, you know, and my mom really wanted to get out of there. And I think that my being a little bit good at gymnastics ended up being the conduit for her sort of realizing her own dreams as well. And it brought her out to California and, um, if things got a little weird, uh, at that point, my mom actually ended up joining a kind of a cult. And so we, we participated in that at the same time as me competing in gymnastics. And so there came a point where my mother sort of decided that her parenting time was, was over. And then that's when my brother and I went back to Ohio permanently. Wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) yeah, I know it's like, it's a little complicated. My life was really weird half the time and then really normal-ish half the time because my father is the complete reverse of my mother and he, he was an army guy and he's very cerebral and intelligent and stoic, not to imply that my mom isn't intelligent. She is. Um, and so for him, everything was just about like, buckle down, do your studies, be very normal, go to school, go to church. Mm. You know, he's, he's very kind of regular guy. And my mom is very much not that she was very much like, don't smoke too much pot when you go out to that party. And I don't cook because you need to be independent. (laughs) So we, when my parents split up, like so did my childhood, it was like half normal and half crazy. Wow. So now when did you come, did you go to LA or New York first? And when did that happen? Was it later on in your adult life? Or, and when did the gymnastics stop and then you move into the acting? Uh, gymnastics stopped when I was in my mid-teens. My knees decided that gymnastics was stopping for me. Yeah. And, uh, and then truthfully, I never really wanted to be a gymnast. I just was really kind of fortunate that I was, I was, you know, pretty good at it. And, uh, I always wanted to be an actor. It was never a question in my mind. I only got up on that balance beam every single time because I thought if I do this really well, someone will put me on TV and then they'll discover me I could be an actor. So when I was in my mid-teens, that's when I told my parents that that's what I really wanted to do. 
And my father wasn't down with the idea, but my mom being the kind of hippie that she was, she was like, all right, I'm going to support that. And my brother was a musician. He had gotten into a music school in LA. Mm. And so the tables kind of turned again and it was back to California and living in Los Angeles with my mom for a short time. Um, and I got to give it to her. She just kind of embraced the notion and said, we'll figure out what to do with you. And I got very, very lucky and booked a couple of jobs early on and was able to start supporting myself because I was, I was on my own in my late teens. Yeah. Okay. So did that mean she went back to, uh, Ohio and you and your brother stayed there? No, no, she stayed in, she stayed in LA. She mm-hmm. just, um, she met a guy and oh. moved on to the next phase of her life in that sense. And, um, I ended up somehow like not getting eaten alive by Hollywood. I made enough money to pay some bills and mm-hmm. make my way. And, and somehow just, I don't know, I, I, I grew up. Yeah, I would say that that's if you. I mean, if you're coming out to LA and it's at such an early age, you have done well for that uh, it, because a lot of other kids have come out young and it's not been so kind to them. Um, what do you yeah. think that made it different for you? I have absolutely no idea. I honestly, <laughs> yeah. I the, I the grace of God, I, I have no idea how I didn't get chewed up and spit out. I have. So many friends that I made at that young age, to some extent, I was, you know, I would look, I was a teenager in Hollywood with a fake ID in my own apartment. Oh Lord. So Lord. the amount of trouble that one can find themselves in is a lot. And a lot of the friends that I made and a lot of the friends that I went to acting school with, mm. they didn't fare quite as well as I did. I think one of the reasons why I did all right was because I was fortunate enough to work. And so I was always so driven and so focused. That's definitely something, a gift that gymnastics gave me, um, that I, even, even in the middle of wanting to be wild and crazy and fun and go to clubs and do all this stuff, so, uh, guys, we got kicked off, but we're going to add it together. Don't worry. Um, so you, what we were just talking about, I want to <laughs> touch on that because it, technology is not my friend. And Danny was just saying, you know, yeah, we were kind of pushing against it. But those of us that didn't want to be on TikTok, et cetera. Are you doing things like that more? Do you find yourself, are you on TikTok, first of all? Uh, I am not on TikTok. Okay. I'm not. Let me, let me tell you the story about that real quick. And then I want to, I want to talk about your social media handles because your social media is fun. But, um, you, so I, my friend has been on it and she's in her forties like me. And I was like, this is for kids or whatever. Right. So yeah. I go on it the other night and I literally went down a rabbit hole. I, there's a guy that comes on and says, Hey, you, yeah, you, you, you've been scrolling for a while. You should go get some water. You should go get some whatever. And I was like, what is this? And I deleted it immediately. <laughs> I swear to you. First of all, I don't need a social media account judging me, okay? I have an Apple Watch for that. I get judged enough by all of the things that I walk around with on my body. Seriously, I know. Oh my gosh. Your Instagram is at at Danny Nicolay. At Danny Nicolay. That's it. Instagram. I'm on Twitter too, but I don't really do the Twitter so much because people are mean. Yeah. Well, I, that's interesting because you're. We're gonna get to the 
flash and all the amazing things that you've done, but do they not require you to be on Twitter and things or? No, I mean, you know, they certainly uh, encourage it. I think that they probably care more, the powers that be, probably care a little bit more about Instagram than they do about Twitter. Mm. Um, Just, this is me talking. I am not representing Warner Brothers in any way. Um, I think that over the years, Twitter has become more sort of political and, um, you know, politics centric, which there's definitely a place for that. I'm a very politically involved person, Mm -hmm. but, um, in terms of being clever and kind of fun and keeping things light. And at least for me as how it relates to my job, particularly being on the flash, Instagram seems like more the appropriate platform for that, I think. And, and also I think there's just a real kind of tendency on Twitter to kind of air towards people. um, There's nastiness. Yeah. And, and, you know, people patting themselves on the back for coming up with the meanest, most clever thing that they can say to someone and, 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 you know, they can hide behind that little egg. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, without the, 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 their photo and everything. And it's insane to me. I know. Yeah. It's like, it's too easy to, to just make up, a, to, to just get a new Twitter account so that you can uh, say something awful to someone and then buy five, you know, set up five more Twitter accounts so that you can retweet your own awful thing that you said. And it's all just to sort of get negative based attention. And that's just no. not my bag. Not my world either. Like I'm on it, but honestly, I agree with you a hundred percent. So at Danny Nicolay on um, Instagram, but let's, um, I'm, we're definitely gonna get to the flash. And um, there's a funny story about Tyler Perry's acrimony that I want to tell you too. But, um, <laughs> okay. um, but um, what, uh, what was your first job? Like your first major job or fun thing that you did that you can remember? Um, family matters. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That was, that was like, that was my big break, that show. That was a really big deal. I, I, um, it was cast as Vonda Mahoney, the high school slut. And then oh. my care. Yeah. And, and I got really lucky. I guess that, that episode that I did did really well. So they brought my character back and she became Eddie Winslow's girlfriend. And yeah, yeah I, fun fact for all of you old TV fans, I, uh, kissed every man on that show at some point. What? And I didn't, yeah, I only did a handful of episodes, but every time I was on an episode, it was something I was like kissing the best friend. I kissed Urkel. I kissed Eddie. I kissed all the boys on that show. And I think I'm the only, only person on that show who ever did that. Family doesn't matter as much. No, <laughs> no family doesn't matter. not in the late nineties. It doesn't. Mm-mm. That's, I love that. Actually, it's so funny you say that because there was just a thing going around to guess the, um, Honestly, I'm just too much on the fucking internet right now. Oh, PS- <laughs> what else are we supposed to be doing? I know, I know. But there was this thing of like, guess the 90s sitcoms uh, living rooms. And I got Family Matters like that. Other of my <laughs> friends could not get it. I used to love that. That was a TGIF thing. Um, oh, I don't remember that Friday nights they used to do right on ABC. And there was that and Step by Step and something else I'm missing. Or, it was uh, the best thing ever I you know I was a teenager when I got that job yeah. so I for, so I watched that block of programming and yeah. it was such a big deal for me that I got a job on a show that I already watched like that yeah. was crazy it was my how whole life coming to how far into it how, how, how like how many seasons had it already been on 
Oh gosh, I'm not sure. I think it it certainly was the the latter half yeah. of of the mm-hmm. run of the show. Um, I don't know. It's funny when I think about it. I still have my kind of like child's perspective of it. Yeah. Um, all right. And so you were a teenager when you did that. You weren't 18 to play younger because those are, the honest, honestly, go to her Instagram. She's gorgeous, but you still look so, you, you play so young too that were you, so you were an actual teenager. Yeah, I was an actual teenager. Yeah. I, um, I was an emancipated minor when I, mm. I think I was 15 when I got emancipated. Wow. So I was allowed to work adult hours because I was technically an adult by, in the law. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go because I'm sure people are going to want to know you're now part of the DC family. How did you get into the flash? And was there just a recently like a crossover or something with Supergirl? Am I right in saying that? Did you do something? Crossovers happen every season. It's sort of like the big, um, event for all of the DC universe. We call them the universe shows like us and Supergirl and legends of tomorrow and arrow, which is unfortunately, um, over, um, black lightning, uh, up and coming will be, uh, Lois and Clark. And so basically once a, once a season, uh, the showrunners from all the shows get together and they write crossovers for different characters from the different shows to appear on each other. And we all kind of like play one big storyline and it airs out over the course of a week. Um, so crossovers are f- super fun. They're super crazy and they're incredibly long hours, but they're really neat. And like the fans of the show shows really like them. That's a lot to pack into to one episode. I know I'm I, I'm a big Law and Order SVU fan, and I've always been. And they they do those. Dick Wolf does that all the time as well. And I always find it there. It's there's such action packed episodes. Do you feel the same way with with the Flash and when you do crossover? Oh yeah, they're always the biggest. There there's two sort of like big events that happen every season: crossovers and then the the finale because. Obviously, you're wrapping up one long season, but also for the finale, we always set up what's happening, what's going to kind of come, tease what's going to come in the next season. So it's huge. It's always huge. It's huge on all the shows. The action's bigger. The stakes are always higher. Like this, this year was Crisis on Infinite Earths, and and it was exactly as enormous as the title of it sounds. Yeah. It, it really, we'd set up for crisis for the first seven episodes of the season. It was kind of all that was happening. And then the crossover finally happened, but um, well, you know, it's the life is in crisis right now. <laughs> isn't it? Geez, well, isn't so what, it? what is going on with, um, cause a lot of times I've, I've been doing a lot of lives and things and, and I just was on with a couple agents and they were like, Look, we don't know. They they like you know some pilots were like we just did a deal for a pilot to close, but they have no idea when it's going to film. Mm. So what's going on at, like specifically to the Flash? And like, do you have any inkling of what's going to be happening? Or did they finish the season? No, um, uh, we and and truth is we don't know yet either. I think everyone's just kind of you know in wait and see mode. We were almost finished with episode twenty of twenty two. So as you can imagine, we were right in the middle of ramping up for like what I already said, which is the huge deal every season, which is our finale. And so basically they were able to finish editing. Um, What we had done was episodes 16 through 19. Mm -hmm. I think they got 19 done. 
Um, so episodes will, will be back. They pulled us off the air in order to, you know, give a little time to kind of space out new episodes. So mm-hmm. we're back on the air next week, the 21st with episode 16. Oh, awesome. And we, as a cast and crew don't yet know when we'll go back, uh, to finish episodes 2021 and 22. It could be, it could be, you know, that they get sort of folded into next season. It could be that we do them separately as a standalone. The only thing I do know for sure is that Warner Brothers and CW is committed to making the best possible experience for the audience out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that our showrunner writes a great story and if, if whether we finish those episodes or they get folded into next season, it'll be done in a way that honors the show and the fans and the fact that everyone's going to, you know, be waiting a little extra longer for extra episodes. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing is it's so unsettling. Like you don't know when you can even go back to button up the season and then start a new one. Yeah. And, and, you know, some shows are able to say, Oh, we, whatever episode we ended on, we can find a way to let this be the season finale and kind of button it up. We certainly are not the kind of show that can do yeah. that. You know, it's a serialized drama. Yep. So it, you can't just be like, okay, so here's the end of that. Right. It's like you fell off a cliff or like that. What was this? Sopranos just fades black. No, no, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> so now you, uh, you've all, I mean, you do movies and, and she's done central intelligence. Were you Kevin Hart's wife? Were you, I was, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm professionally Kevin Hart's wife. I feel like just every like third project that Kevin does, I just officially play his wife. Uh, I mean, why not? Hello. <laughs> why not? Exactly. Um, but you did Acrimony, which is Tyler Perry's movie with Taraji P. Henson. I did. And so my funny story about that is that I, I was still managing. I don't manage anymore. I, I gave it up about two years ago. And I was, um, I managed Asiana Alexis. Oh, she's so, she's so lovely. What a beautiful girl. I know. And so I managed her for about four or five years and I put her on 13 Reasons. And then right after that is when I kind of pulled out of it. But I still talk to her. She's great. But she, so the, the they were shooting. You guys had, a, Tyler shoots a very tight schedule too, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. So you guys are shooting. She was shooting 13 Reasons Why. And she was still wrapping up, thir- um, she played the young Taraji on Empire. On Empire, well. yeah. So she, um, but I don't think she had to go to Chicago. So anyway, so she she's 19, 18, 19 at the time, or maybe 19. And she shooting 13 reasons and t- but she was uh, i'm sorry she was shooting acrimony and tyler's like i can't let her go and we're like tyler we told you we were, we were doing i think we were dealing with roger bob and we said you guys we she's got to get back she's got to shoot in the morning she's uh, you know regular on 13 yeah. reasons and they're like he's like like she can't do it da, da, da. the flights are not whatever what am i gonna do so tyler gets on the phone with all of us and says I'm fueling up my private jet for her. No. Swear to you, fueling up my private jet for her because it's the only way that I can get what else I need to get from her than for her to go back and fly in at the time that she needs to fly in. Uh, Can I tell you, when she was like a kid in a freaking candy store, Danny, she calls me, she's like, Joe, this is the craziest thing I've ever been on. And she went on Tyler's jet from Atlanta or, I forget where they shot that one. Where did they shoot that? Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, to back to above San Francisco on Tyler Perry's private jet. Could you imagine? Listen, if I had known that that was an option, I'm pretty sure I was shooting Flash during that. I think I, I think I, yeah, because Flash gave me some time off to do it. If I had known, I would have been like, guys, 
Listen, now you're pissed. I, yeah. I have to get back to Vancouver like tomorrow. I have to. I just have to. I'm going to need Tyler to fuel up well, the jet. And that's a similar flight from Atlanta to Vancouver is the similar to the, where she shoot, shot above San Francisco. So I had I no that. idea this was available. <laughs> and we didn't either. Honestly, I think he was such in a bind and it really was the 11th hour. And you know that you've been doing this a long yeah. time when it's that like that. And I, you maybe were, it, I don't know. It was probably us as agents and managers. We, we didn't carve out the right amount or what. I don't, I have no idea. But, you know, I mean, shit happens. But, yeah, it was very much the 11th hour. But how did you manage doing the – so you shot his – and like we said, guys, he really does shoot in a very tight schedule. He does. He does. And, and he I mean, also – he like, he is very much in charge of, of every aspect of things so that mm-hmm. he can get what he wants. You know, he wrote it. He's directing it. So the idea of – of other people determining uh, exactly what you're shooting today. Normally, a shooting schedule isn't very fluid, but for him, if he feels like, you know what, I'm I'm in this mode right now, or or you know, Taraji is really in a great place character wise right now. I mm-hmm. want to move this scene that we were supposed to do tomorrow. We're going to shoot it today. We're going to do it right now because I feel like this is going to make the best possible um, film for me. He has the ability to do that, but it also means when you're working for him, you've got to do your, you, you know, you've got to be as flexible as possible and you've got to be prepared as possible. I was going to say, what does that do to you guys as actors for him to say all of a sudden, okay, we're going to shoot these two extra pages today? Yeah. Well, it, you scramble and you yeah. figure out really fast that when you get home to the hotel that night, you better learn all your lines for the whole entire script and have yourself prepped, ready, prepared with your choices and know that you've got to make adjustments. Yeah. It actually was really fun. And this was before his studio that he just opened, right? He had, yeah, he hadn't officially opened the studio, but we were shooting on his lot. Yeah. It's it's pretty epic. Yeah. It's insane. But just mentioning how you, how you, how he operates. I have to say, I've had a couple clients when I was managing on his shoots and he is, quite amazing in his style of shooting and it actually reminded me of a a interview that um i forget who it was that did it about mike nichols Mm. and that's actually how mike nichols shoots as well where he or did excuse me may he rest in peace because he was amazing but um with that he very much has a hand in everything like you said like tyler does but also was like this is working right now let's let's add this or let's i mean it, it seems like it can be stressful, but it also, like you as an actor, you get into a rhythm and sometimes don't you almost want to say, hey, we're in a rhythm like right now. Yeah. Let's go and do this other thing. I found it exhilarating. Yeah. I really did it, because it, I had not had an experience like that before. And, you know, I knew what I was getting into when I signed on for the movie and I signed on because I wanted to work with Tyler Perry. I wanted to do a Tyler Perry film. So, and I knew that, the shooting schedule was going to be tight. And I knew that almost everyone in the movie, myself included, was on a television show. So it, it's it's really not easy to coordinate schedules and make it all happen. So I figured, well, I'm going to jump into the deep end of this pool and see what happens. And and yeah, I found it, I found it really, I found it fun and exciting. And shooting can be slow and it can be boring and it can be uninspiring sometimes. And that is absolutely not the experience that I had in Atlanta. 
Well, that's what a lot of people have said with about Tyler's movies that there, there isn't actually a lot of downtime. And that's, mm -hmm. I'll tell you something right now. I've produced movies. I produced, you were in a movie that I produced, but like, yep. that's the part that I hate the most about being on set is the waiting around for them to set up another shot or what it's the, but it's not that way, right? On Tyler's movies. No, it's not that way at all. I mean, of course you have your moments, you have your downtime if they're shooting a scene that you're not in and, right. and you, and you've got to kick it for a while, but that's fine. But the, 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 the experience of doing one of his films is not tedious in that way. And there's not a ton of rehearsal. There's not a ton of even explaining to you. I don't mean to imply that you don't know what's going on as an actor, but <laughs> I, I mean this in the, in the best possible way. There's not a lot of kind of bullshit coddling. Yeah. It's like, Hey, it's kind of like doing theater. It's like, am I allowed to curse on this? Of course. Fuck okay, it. Yeah. okay. It's it's like know your shit. Be prepared, and yeah. and go, because he knows his shit and he's prepared yeah. and he's ready to go. So you actually get a lot more shot in a day than you ever anticipate doing, and because he's so flexible and fluid, that like I said, if he feels like you know what this is working or we are already on this location and we got through these scenes faster than we anticipated and I know we're supposed to come back to this house next week to shoot another scene but we're here actors yeah. go change your clothes know your shit be ready we're shooting that scene that you didn't think we were doing till next Tuesday we're doing it in ten minutes Whoa. and yeah and so it, you you kind of you get home at the end of the day and you're like man. I was on my toes today. I had to be on it. Yeah, I really worked. Yes. Yeah, and and that's fun because you don't always get a lot of that experience as an actor, particularly on a television show. Yeah. What is it like to go back and forth to, because I don't even think I've ever asked Asiana this, but like, because it is a different flow for film. Maybe it's a little different, different with, with a Tyler Perry movie, but what, what's it like to go back and forth for, between an episodic and did you have to go back and forth or did you shoot acrimony and then completely go back to flat the flash? Um, gosh, I don't remember. I think I, I think I just went to Atlanta and then went back. I had, I was doing a couple of films that season. So there was a lot of back and forth thing, um, yeah. but experientially like film to TV that way for me, it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like the pool or the jacuzzi. Hmm. It, you're in water, you're floating in both, you're swimming in both. It's somewhat experiential. Like the parameters of it are the same, but the, and there's real kind of like comfort in the jacuzzi. You know, that's the TV show. You're playing the same character. You found a real groove. You know who she is. You don't need anybody to tell you what your character's mm -hmm. impulse would be. You know her and she knows you and you are you embody this experience together. Yeah. And so there's a real kind of like relaxation and comfort to it that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on her skin and, and that's enjoyable. The pool yeah. is also really refreshing because it's cold <laughs> and you're not expecting it and you've got to jump in. And that's sort of what doing a film feels more like to me because you're playing this character for a set and distinct period of time. And yeah. so you, you aren't comfortable. You have to discover who she is and what she would do and what she's going to do in this, uh, 
period of time that has parameters. It's got a beginning and a middle and an end. And a TV show doesn't have that. Do you find it like, I don't want to say struggle, but do you find it? it, Yeah. So, cause you, you, like you said, you're getting into the groove, especially when you go on for seasons and Mm -hmm. now you've been like, I mean, a million episodes of the flash, but do you find Because I think Meryl Streep said at one time, sorry, I quote actors all the time, but she had said, I hadn't found her yet or something. I think, I don't know what it was that she was doing. Oh, it was the hours or something. She was saying, she's like, I hadn't found her yet a few days in. And then I finally found her. Yeah. You find that it's, um, it is harder in a film to sort of find your footing. And then all of a sudden you're boom, it's over. And you found her. (laughs) Um, I haven't had it happen to me to that extent, but I certainly have had the like, Oh, it took me a couple of days I've done. uh, And whether it's comedy or drama or somewhere in the middle, there is that, you know, you've got to kind of find your rhythm. You gotta, you gotta Mm -hmm. find her, you've got to figure out. Um, and a lot of times it's the organic act of portraying that character that helps you find her. And, mm-hmm. and find her moments. And yeah, like sometimes I prefer on a film to at the very least not do my coverage first, if I can control that at, at the very best, have plenty of rehearsals and, you know, hopefully not do the really important scenes early on in shooting. Right. So that you can kind of organically find it. So, so once you're in your rhythm, that's when you're like, oh yeah, here, there, there it is. And as an actor, you're not trying anymore. It just becomes an organic interplay. Yeah. And, but on a show, it's a little different. It's, it's more of a kind of like long-term, it's like being in a long-term relationship. And the longer you're with somebody, the more you discover things about them and Mm -hmm. things about them that you love and things about them that, you know, drive you crazy and all of the other stuff. And that's sort of more what it is, I think, on a TV series, especially after a long time. Uh, yeah. You know, after the first season is definitely finding your footing, and the second season is getting comfortable. And by the time you're in the third season of it, now you're really discovering. It's interesting that we're talking about two dramas because I've known you to do a lot of comedy as well. Yeah. You, because right now with the Flash, like you said, it is a drama. I yeah. mean, we we know what it is, guys. Are you what do you play? Cecile? What is it, Cecile? Cecile, yeah, yeah. So, um. And what is, what is like, cause I know you're funny as shit, Danny. I mean, just in life you are, but also like I've seen your comedy and I've seen, and you've booked a lot of pilots, albeit maybe they haven't gone, but they've been comedy as well. Yeah. And which do you find easier or more fun? Um, I probably will not have the same answer as other actors for me. Oh, okay. If I want to say easier and I carefully use that word drama to me is a bit easier because you can really play what's on the page it's written out there for you and you can just play that but comedy is a lot more pressure because it's not just playing what's on the page you have to find and craft and invent the moments that are in between the words and in between the lines in order Mm -hmm. to really make people laugh. And you have to be really selfless about it because 90% of comedy is not about you being funny. It's about making the other person in the scene or the circumstances funnier. And, And so there's a lot of work that's outside of the page that comes with comedy. That said, that's also a lot of fun. Yeah. 
I'm incredibly lucky on the flash because they do let me have a lot of comedic moments. They know that comedy is kind of my bag and they let me have a lot of comedic moments for anybody who's listening, who's watching this season. They're very much disagreeing. I know Cecile cries a lot this season. (laughs) She's, but you know, I also get the fun side of things on the flash because I have powers. Like that in and of itself is like being a 10 year old kid at work every single day. Like when you get to play a character that has superpowers, I don't yeah. know. M- mine aren't as super as, is as some in terms of them being really active. Um, but so I get to really kind of replace that comedy fun with that. And mm-hmm. I do get, you know, and I get a lot of moments I get, I get to have comedic moments on the flesh in the way that a lot of people on one hour dramas do not get to have. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a different, um, it's just different a, animals. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a different animal, but it's just, it's kind of like different sides of the same coin. You're still doing the same thing, but, but I definitely feel more pressure when I'm doing a comedy. Mm. Yeah. Because that's up to you to create the timing and to create the, the beats and those things. It's not. Like you said, with drama, it's really on the page. But with comedy, obviously, great comedy writing, you know, helps. But it is completely up to you. Like, let's say something like Jack on Will and Grace. I mean, that was it was written really well. But he then brought this other crazy physical thing yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, it's how like, you, it's like you... for any actor that's like listening. I don't know how many actors are going to listen to us, but um you know, that like when you're auditioning for a job, particularly, well, no, film and TV, the same for this, but like when you're auditioning for a comedy, it's a whole different beast when you're in that room than it is when you're auditioning for a drama, because you're not just showcasing the script and, and showcasing the story, which is, you know, when you're auditioning for a drama, you need to bring that fucking story into the room. You need to tell it. When you're auditioning for a comedy, you're bringing the story, you're bringing the page, you're also bringing you, like you said, like like Sean Hayes and Will and Grace, the, the Jack-isms, as we've all come to know them over the years, those weren't on yeah. the page, those were never on the page. Right. He brought that into the room. We all have to bring that thing that makes that specific character funny and exist and, and alive in the world that is the show and the story. And yeah. that's just, that's a whole other element. Do you play with a few different versions? Like, let's say you get a comedy script, right? Mm-hmm. And you say, do you, do you, will you say like, I don't know, play with it a few different ways and, and feel what feels the best to you before you go in an audition or before you step foot on the first day of set or whatever. Do you play with a few different versions? I don't know if I'd call them versions, but I definitely play with options and motivations. I use the same, I, I studied at, I studied the Meisner method and, and there's a, for those that have studied it, there's like a really basic, there's some really basic notions that you sort of get in first year that you take with you forever. And one of them is a superlative. And that is, when you're making choices in a scene and and making choices for your character, you oftentimes have to choose a superlative. What is the most of whatever this thing I want this character to bring to the scene is? Do I want her to be the most compassionate person in the room, the most outrageous, the most hysterical, you know, whatever that thing is. And with comedy, I try to 
I, I try to decide what my comedic perspective superlative is. Is she the most obnoxious? Is she mm. the most easily offended? Any one of those things in order to color the choice that I'm going to make comedically, because mm. that determines whether you're going to make subtle choices or broad choices. Yeah. And, and also it really you can't play comedy well unless you're playing a character. It's not about the bit. Otherwise, you're a stand-up comedian. And it's, you can't play it safe. Yeah. For sure. You can't yeah. play it safe, but you also can't just play a bit. You have to play mm-hmm. a character who exists in this circumstance. And what is funny about that character is the manner that they respond to the circumstance, mm-hmm. the real circumstance that, that you're in. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> so you're saying, I mean, I, obviously she's doing a lot of crying this season. You're saying <laughs> they allow Cecile on the flash, but they, so they allow you to inflect because uh, a lot of drama is, it does have a little undertone of some levity or comedy or yeah. whatever. So they allow you to do that. Do they tell you that you're going a little too far or do they, how are they with that? There, I, I work with a bunch of great people who are, incredibly um, generous with the actors in allowing us to bring our strong suits to the page. Mm-hmm. And, and also I think what am, what are we in on the show? We're in season six. So this is, I'm just about finished with my fourth season on the okay. show. And so after you're on, I think any show for a little while, hopefully you have producers that really understand that, you know, your character, there's nobody in life who's not a little, I hope not. I mean, unless they're really no fun to be around. Like there's nobody in life who isn't kind of funny sometimes and doesn't have their own funny quirks and their ways of being and their ways of reacting to things. And. Oh, those people are out there. I'm telling you during quarantine, I'm finding them. Oh, God bless them. God God bless the no funneries of the world because they must really be having the worst possible time right now. They are out there. Yeah. So they're, so they're good about that. That's really great. Cause it, especially like we said, and going back to what we just said, you, you create, you do all your work, you, you bring in, you know, like with Tyler Perry, you're ready to go. You're prepared with whatever's in your, uh, you know, your toolbox uh, as an actor. Um, and then they allow it. That's really awesome because not a lot of people do. Some people are so set in what, especially like, uh, you know, a, uh, either a DC thing or a Marvel thing or this or that, whatever it may be. Those are very specific characters. They were based on this. They're based on that or whatever it may be. So I think that that's great that they allow you to kind of spread your wings. They do. They allow all of us to, I think, I think one of the reasons why the, these shows are so successful is because all of the actors that are on them are given room to humanize the characters. It, Mm -hmm. it, it, I think that they wouldn't work if you didn't bring humanity to them and make them flawed and funny and weird and, and, and specific. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise it stays, otherwise it stays on paper as a comic book. Yes. Very true. Yeah. The actors that are bringing them to life have to be able to, you know, people have to be able to relate to you because obviously It is like, we all don't normally have superpowers. I mean, I think moms do, but <laughs> That's um, I, you know, I mean, I don't, I, it's like, so you have to be, you have to relate to them, to this, to these characters, which I, which I think is great. So this, so the 21st, you said it is coming back for how long was it on? Hi- were you guys sort of on hiatus because of all this stuff? Um, 
Gosh, I don't really know because it's just been one incredibly long day for me. <laughs> so oh I, it's, yeah, it's literally, it's been, it's been, it, who knows? <laughs> who knows? And furthermore, who cares? Seriously. I mean, I know. If I let myself dwell on what day it is, then I'll also have to dwell on the fact that I've been cycling through the same por- four pair of sweatpants for the last <laughs> week and a half. Like, I'll have to think about the fact that my eyebrows desperately need waxed. Like, it's my, my it's hair lot. is legit so long. It's my my Rona hair is what I'm calling it now. It's horrible. My husband cannot pass a mirror without having a small freak out. Like he is very much one of those like incredibly well-groomed. He gets a haircut every single week. Like, you know, everything in that department has to be handled. I was going to bring up Mike. What are you, are you guys quarantined together or does he still work? I don't, how does it work? He's, he's a little, he's kind of 50, 50. He is a furniture designer and he has his own shop. So he's really lucky. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if he's actually working or if he's just getting the fuck away from me for like four <laughs> hours a day. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because it's working for us. I love so it. I love it. He, um, he has an assistant that he's just paying to not come in because, it, you know, we can't be around other people right now. And yeah. so his shop is uh, completely sealed off from the world. And uh, so he is at least uh, able to go into his shop and close himself in there and be creative and do some work. And, uh, and he's still able to take some orders, which is kind of amazing. I was going to say, is he like, he can at least take orders and then maybe be, be like have a sort of a backlog, right? Yeah. yeah. Whether or not they can be shipped in a timely fashion is something that is beyond his control. So his clients know that. But yeah, it's nice that he's able to get in there a little bit. And and even if he's not working on orders, he's able to work on designs because he rarely has time to actually sit down and design uh, yeah. and make prototypes. And like I said, he also is getting himself away from me. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's a little important. Well, please tell Mike I said hi. I will. Um, I will. It, it's it's a little important. So I actually just separated after seven years. Oh, I'm sorry. It, I, no, I, no, I no, never no. know whether I should say I'm sorry or congratulations. Congratulations is Congrat- the word. Congratulations! I'm so happy for you. So, but it happened like February 1st and then February 28th, I came to the East coast cause I have a business out here and I was like, but could you, and then right after that is when we kind of all went on the safer at home ordinance and things and California went on lockdown and whatever. But could you imagine if I was stuck in my house in California with him? It'd be like war of the fucking roses. I can't, I, I absolutely I, cannot imagine. It would be so terrible. Yeah. I don't know. And I, it, it's, it's, so I do believe that there is something to a little bit of separation in, you know, as far as like, you just go to your end of the house, please. And I'll go to mine for a little bit. Like you can't be up each other's asses the whole time. You no, know? you can't. I, I feel so badly for like, for example, in Vancouver where we shoot the flash, but as I guess where I technically live as well. Um, mm-hmm. But so in Vancouver, I have a little one bedroom apartment and it's perfect. It's little, it's like maybe 600 square feet, yeah. 650. And you know, I live in a high rise apartment building. I, it's there for me when I work, when I have the dog with me. And when Mike comes up to visit, that's my husband's name, Mike. When Mike mm-hmm. comes up to be in town, we always sit in that perfect little apartment and look at each other and say, you know, this is all we need. This is all we need is this little apartment. We've got a 
it's perfectly decorated and it's, uh, you know, there's exactly four plates and four mugs and four cups. It's like the most organized Swedish dream you could ever have. Lies now that you're on lockdown. I cannot tell you since we've been on lockdown how many times we've looked at each other and been like, thank God we're not doing this in the apartment in Vancouver. Oh my God, we'd fucking yeah. kill each other. Because you have a beautiful home in L- well, you're in LA, right? Yeah. yeah, we're in LA. And and we don't live in a huge place here either, but at least it's it's like a little it's like a townhouse. So there's a couple yeah. levels. And so one of us can be on one level while the other one is on the other. Yep. And, and we were married a long time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know why we're married for a long time? Because we aren't together all the time. Right. That's right. why. Yeah. It's healthy. It's healthy because you, you're off shooting stuff. He's got stuff going on. It is healthy. I think when you're, when you're, uh, and the, this, this podcast is sort of a taking another kind of turn, but it is true. Like even in these times, I keep seeing the things on Facebook that are like, you know, think about the people that are stuck in a, a horrible relationship or whatever, or something abusive yeah. or something, whatever. Like that's the stuff that breaks my heart because it's look, we can all have a spat here and there and just be like, Oh my God, you're getting on my friggin' nerves. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day that he's engaged and he's like, Oh my God, getting on my nerves so much. You know, they just moved into a house, but that's different from really being in a, a bad situation during all of this time. Yeah. You know? That's a whole other level. It's funny. I, I read an article on, uh, Huffington Post yesterday, a woman wrote a letter. She had been planning to get out of her abusive relationship and now safe at home has happened. Ugh. And she anonymously wrote, you know, what the experience is for her. And I found it so heartbreaking. And I, I actually woke up thinking about it this morning, thinking, what can I do, you know, to be supportive of women in that circumstance? And for the record, anybody listening, here's a really good answer. Jewish Family Services in the Valley here in Los Angeles, they are still operating uh, mm. services for, for women and children that need to get out of difficult situations, even in the midst of this. So I want to mm-hmm. encourage everybody, if you can, they also have a food pantry and a whole bunch of awesome stuff. So donate food, donate money, call them, ask them if there's anything that you can do. On the, on the um, we're almost, we're almost going to wrap up, but on the um, ugh, really detrimental side of that too. I just read this or was it, I don't know if it was, it was part of an article and then it was a video, but it, it was this woman called 911 to order pizza. And she, I don't know if you read this, but she, and it was, she was trying to give them the signal and the, the woman, the 911 caller was like, you called 911. She's like, no, you don't understand mm-hmm. what I want. And she cut. And then the 911 caller actually got it. And now there's this thing going on around that if you are in something abusive and you and he or she is around you all of the time and you, you call 911 to order pizza and they now know what that means. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't that great? Yeah. Because you can't look if the person's standing right next to you and you guys just had a fight or whatever it is, how do you, what do you say? You know, and it's now you can call 911 and say, I'd like to order a pizza, please. And they know what to do. Oh, that's so good. There's a, a lot of really good that's coming out of this awful yeah. time. Yeah, I know. It's like I can't so – I, I had a little bit of a down moment the other day, and I was like, you know, honestly, we just don't know what's happening. I think that's the worst part for me, the unsettling. But mm-hmm. also, everybody's making it work. Look, you and I are doing this right now. We're making it work, you know, as much as you can. And at the end of the day, I do feel we are – we're going to go back to whatever the new normal is, and we're not – going to take certain certain things for granted anymore. I walked my dog this morning and I saw a park bench. Kid you not. 
And I thought to myself, I've never wanted to just go sit on a park bench ever in my life the way I do right now. I will never take another park bench for granted. Yeah. Stopping and smelling the roses never will happen a lot more nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Also, I'm going to come out of this with the most unbelievable addiction to ratchet television. (laughs) Wait, you have to tell me what. Have you seen the Tiger King? Honey. Okay. First of all. Tiger King, also FYI, there's a podcast. Listen to that whole thing too. It's called Joe Exotic. It's excellent. Oh um, gosh. Between, That's a rabbit hole. I don't know if I can go down. Between Tiger King, I don't know if anybody else is watching 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Days. I've but seen a lot of that. Yes. It is making my life. Last week's episode was the best thing I've ever seen. Even my husband, who my best friend and I nicknamed Judge Joe Brown, JJB, because he judges us for everything that we watch on TV. Even JJB is like, put it on. We need to find out what happened with Ed and Rosemary. They went to the (laughs) Philippines and that dude can't handle the heat. Oh my God. I love it. Um, Yeah. Oh my God. I'm just watching all of them. I'm watching everything. I'm watching love and hip hop, every fucking iteration of it. Atlanta's actually not that bad this year. Um, Yeah. What's on right now as far as the housewives? I can't even think. Is Atlanta's on and um, Beverly Hills starts tonight, I think, and New York started a couple few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I've got them stacking up. I haven't watched them yet. I was going to say, like, Andy Cohen, you better get to it because I think everybody would be tuning into every single one of them at this point. I mean, mm. at some point you have to turn off the news, and it's, it's been, it's been such a gift to watch mindless television. Honestly, I can't even watch the news anymore. I'm like, when Dr. Fauci comes on, great, I'll listen to you. But other than that, I just can't do it anymore. I'm giving myself Trump-free days. <laughs> I am. Oh, I still, I know what's going on. I'm not uninformed. I read it. I, I read it on my yeah. phone. I will watch a few minutes of the news. But the second he comes on, I'm like, no, you yeah. are the embodiment of unhappiness and I will not give it to you. I, I will not feed this beast with my energy, not for one more second. So it's Trump free days for me. I know. Well, I think in general too, though, like when I was at universal, I used to have a, on the, in the background, CNN and I was like all these different things. And it's, there's something to like kind of not keeping it on all the time, you know, regardless of what's happening in the world, it really, you, you have to go have some, go and have your levity and then come back and go and have your little moment with Mike or go. I mean, there's just yeah. something to, not doing it all the time. My God, that would drive you nuts. So anyway, I love and adore you so much. And I, I can't wait to see you. you when we actually can in person. I know. Oh my gosh. And oh. I am, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm saying very carefully Thank that you. you are the, on the other side of a relationship that was not bringing you joy. Exactly. Yes. And, and that, and I recognized it. Well, it took me seven years, <laughs> but listen, <laughs> listen you're nothing if not a slow learner. Right. But all right, one more time. So the the Flash, your last four episodes or three episodes will come back starting next what? Uh, t- next week, Tuesday, the 21st. And also okay. I'll be doing an Instagram takeover of the Flash's account on Tuesday. So mm-hmm. if anybody wants to send me anything or ask me any questions, start putting them in now. Nice. Yeah. And that's Danny Nicolay. That's D-A-N-I-C-O-L-E-T. Exactly. Um, And then, um, and she posts a great stuff or whatever, but then also just definitely tune in. And so three more episodes at least. And then I'm sure when you guys know, or CW knows or whatever, they'll let everybody know what's happening. Cause it is such a fan 
cult thing where people are probably waiting with bated breath. Yeah. And and I, I mean, everyone needs to know, we feel just as crazy about the idea of there being a delay in the season six finale as, as all of the fans do, you know, we're, we're all kind of waiting to find out as, as is everyone in this industry waiting to find out when we can get back to work. And it's such a crazy time because the entire enter- entertainment industry is shut down and yet everyone is stuck at home needing to, to needing escapes and needing entertainment and, yeah. and watching TV. So it's, it's just as like strange and frustrating for us. And we're just, we're just home watching Tiger King with everyone else. Ah, I can't. <laughs> oh, on that note, Joe exotic. Bye-bye. No. All right. I think- <laughs> Thank you so much, Danny Nicolay. I love you so much. Um, All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And you can follow me at Joe underscore Lorenzo on Twitter and Instagram. 